presented by Burbs Entertainment. I'm your host, Ralph Campiano. I'm an editor at Burbs Entertainment. And today I am not joined by The Martian. I'm actually cheating on him with my boy, The Barter Six, Carter Ferriman, a writer for 303 Magazine in Denver, Colorado. And also, is that right? It's in Denver, correct? Downtown Denver, yeah. But I work out of Boulder, you know, COVID. Um, so yeah, Carter's joining me. He's been writing for us for quite some time. Um, as you guys know, I am not an expert on college basketball, but anytime March Madness rolls around, I'm tuning in because the biggest thing for me is I want to be able to look out for who's going to make a difference in the draft and whose stock is going to go up, whose stock is going to go down, who's going to really prove themselves. So I invited Carter on today and we're going to talk about some fucking hoopers today who are hopefully going to be lottery picks, but they're also going to be talking about second round picks. So let's start with a team that has potentially two lottery picks. Gonzaga Bulldogs, the number one overall seed, undefeated. I believe they're 29-0. Obviously, they play in a fairly weak conference, but I don't think that's an excuse that they have ever like really abided by because they've just fallen short in the tournament. But let's talk about your boy, Connor Kisper, before we talk about Jalen. What sticks out about him, and what makes you think that he could be an NBA-ready player from day one? Yeah, um, Corey Kispert is, in my eyes, even over Cade, Probably the best all-around scorer in college basketball. And I know that's high praise, but I got the stats to back it, if you're ready. Uh, Run it. This guy is, um, like, he's 6'7", 220. I think his size is deceptive when you watch him. He doesn't look that big. Um, when, like, people watch him, he kind of fits that, like, white shooting guard mold, like, kind of small catch-and-shoot guy. But, like, you really watch his games. Like, he's pretty much doing just about everything. He can create shots for himself. Uh, he can play two through four pretty much with his height and size. Freaky fast, you know. I've already said this once, but he's deceptively fast. And uh, that's you brought up a really valid point that Gonzaga doesn't play the strongest schedule in the Big West, but they compensate for that by playing a brutal out-of-conference Um hmm. And I've got some of his scoring stats and scoring percentages pulled up here. Uh, so versus number six, Kansas this year, he scored 23 points on 61%, right? Against Auburn, he scored 25 on 64%. Number 11, West Virginia, 20 on, or sorry, 19 on 54%. Number two, Iowa, 14 on 54%. Number 16, Virginia, 32 on 74%. He hit nine threes in that game. Um, so, and then one thing to note about all those games, I ran the numbers on his three-point shooting volume-wise, percentage-wise. He shot around 63s in all of those games and shot 49%. So, Holy shit. So, so he's doing this against good defenses too, not just the bad conference games. And even when he's going to those conference games, his shooting lines right now are 54% from the field, 44% from three, and almost 90% from the line. So, like you said, he's a pure shooter. Who would you comp him to? Because I've read Joe Harris, but, I mean, I've been going through some of his highlights um, just while we've been talking. And he has, like, his ability to go, shit, um, to go <laughs> off the bounce, too, um, which is something that you talked about deceptive speed. So is he getting to his jump shot off the bounce more? Or is he kind of getting at the rim and finishing at the rim with like some bounce? Cause you, you said he has speed. Does he have like the verticality to get over defenders? Um, I didn't see any problems with him being able to finish in the paint. And lots of these teams have really big, like really tall, big men, really physical big men. And I mean, these aren't teams with defenses that are slouches at all. I mean, Kansas, Virginia, West Virginia, Iowa, like these are big teams. Um, but my player comp, uh, and this is obviously adding a couple inches and a couple pounds, but 
considering the 54-44-89 split in his scoring ability, I think Chris Middleton's a really good uh, mm. cop to him. Um, the vast majority of his threes are the Joe Harris threes. They are the catch-and-shoot threes. Um, but I'm a sucker for guys with, like, really flat arc jump shots, and this guy has a laser beam. Like, he's got the <laughs> Berton shot, yo. Like, he throws up lasers um but just <laughs> i love that i love it because as a shooter you're taught to shoot up not out and when people are good at shooting out instead of shooting upwards it's so intoxicating because you're like oh that's a fucking brick like this dude looks like he's chucking it but then it just hits back rim and switches right in yeah yeah so in terms of projected nba mock draft positioning i see him at like 9 10 11 area which would be Raptors, Pelicans, Pacers. I mean, I think he'll fit well into almost any team. The mm. team they have him at here is the Pelicans. I don't know how that would work. Um, they probably have to play him at – actually, yeah, I'm not sure if that would work at all with Brandon Ingram and Zion. But if I had to pick a team that I think he'd be the most perfect on, I'd say the Rockets. With a yeah. healthy Christian Wood and a healthy John Wall and the fact that Victor's probably not going to be a Rocket at the start of next season – I think to have a high volume score, someone who can shoot with two guys that are like one guy who's a really good passer and John Wall, and then another guy who can facilitate pretty well out of the paint. Um, I think Kispert's an instant 18, 19 plus point per game player with a team like that. Damn. Okay. So like when you said the Pelican, I was trying to think of how it fit. If they keep going in the point Zion direction, and then the biggest thing that's been that they've needed this year is honestly spacing on the court. So I don't hate the idea of him there. Despite him being 22 years old, do you think that he can go even further than eight or nine? Like, could he get up to five, six? Because we haven't seen a 22 year old get drafted in that range in fucking years. Who do we have at five, six? We have Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, I could see him stealing Kaminga's spot. And I haven't watched a lot of the G League Ignite team this year, so I don't have a lot hey, of commentary. Man, they're elite. <laughs> yeah, well, like, they're beating the crap out of these teams, uh, you know, understandably. And then they got uh, Jared Jack playing the point guard, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that is sick as fuck. They've just got, like, the old vet. It's like, Jared Jack's just, like, your typical, like, bald dude that still goes to the barbershop for the vibes and he's bringing those barbershop vibes to Jalen Green and Kaminga but also teaching them some lessons um but let's go to Kispert's teammate now Jalen Suggs is one of the guys that I was familiar with going into this year aside from all the Duke recruits like Stewart and Roach and Jalen and all those guys but I really always kept an eye on Suggs probably since he was a sophomore in high school and it's because he was a quarterback as well as a point guard and he could have gone d1 for either of them and possibly to the pros he's definitely gonna be going to the pros this year he's an elite level passer like he is, I think like he's not necessarily Lamelo because Lamelo just has like the size and the vision to see over defenders. But I think Suggs could be a top ten, top fifteen passer the day he enters the league because he's pulled off some fucking tricks this year. And granted, when we talk about Gonzaga, we have to take it with a grain of salt. But he also performed against pretty good teams. Like I was just watching his highlights against Iowa a little bit earlier. I think he put up twenty four seven and four. He's a guy who. Gonzaga has like a, a motion-based offense where they're spreading the ball around because they have so many scorers, but he can still get you 25 if you need him to, even in a system like that. So where do you, where do you stand on Suggs? Is he the best point guard in this class? Except for Cade, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So Cade's the best point guard in college basketball, but um, Jalen Suggs really is a do-it-all guy. Uh, if you look at his per 36 stats, which I actually prefer to – college yeah, stats definitely um, for college for sure they've 
they've got him at like 7.1 rebounds per game for for his size that's pretty absurd i mean the kid is 6'4 205 but like if you watch gonzaga games he eats on the glass Mm -hmm. like like he's up there with the top rebounders on the team he uh the one thing that impresses me most about Jalen Suggs is his motor. Mm. Um, he's really disciplined, but he plays hard the entire game. And I know that that's kind of like a middle school coach thing to say, but like I genuinely mean that. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I think the teams need that in today's game. He's very solid on defense. Averages two steals per game. Mm. Um, so the. You know, he's he's not the best scorer. I mean, he shoots just over 50% from the field. Doesn't take a lot of shots, though. Like, for for a, for a guy that's, you know, projected top five, usually you see those guys shooting, like, you know, 13, 14-plus times per game. He's shooting no more than 10 times per game. So he's really efficient with his shots. Um, and then just the combination of the passing, which you've obviously touched on, you know, need I say more, the guy's a – wizard passing the ball but then the rebounding and the steals i think he'll be a valuable asset pretty much anywhere that he goes i think they have him going three to the rockets right now (laughs) even though Mm -hmm. i could see the rockets getting the number one overall pick at this pace they suck they're terrible (laughs) they've lost like 45 games in a row or something like that but um, just touching on jalen a little bit more i think you're right like he doesn't project as like a Damian Lillard level scorer, right? Like he doesn't have the Trey Young gene where he can pretty much get a shot off whenever he wants. But I still think that he could be one of those high usage percentage high usage percentage guards that is facilitating the offense in the same vein as the Hardens and the Doncic's to a lesser extent, at least having the ball that much. But I also think that he could operate in the Mike Conley role where he is like just the point guard that facilitates the offense rather than everything runs through him. And you said it best, like this dude is a fucking clamper. Like that's the one thing that you need from your point guard in today's day and age, because you're going against different guards every single night. Like even when you play, I don't know, when you play Washington, you still got to guard Westbrook or Bradley Beal. So having a guy like that, that can come in, even in like the slouchier games, He's still going to perform, and that motor—that's the biggest thing for me too. I, I know it's AAU coach to the fucking fill it to the brim, but that matters in the NBA, and it, it definitely matters in March Madness because people feed off of that energy. Like as somebody who's played basketball his entire life, it's contagious when somebody has that motor. Um, let's move on to Texas. So Texas, strong finish the Big Twelve tournament and winning the championship. They've got some bigs, my friend, and I don't know about you, but I'm a big man's big man. I love guys that can score in the paint, protect the rim, stretch the floor. They're pushing we don't have Eric Sims on here. We're going to be talking about Kai Jones and Greg Brown. Give me the rundown on the Texas big man. Uh, I mean, they're pushing hay bales in Austin, as I <laughs> just said, but they have some bodies down there. Uh, Kai Jones is a really interesting player to me. Um, I think he's a really high ceiling, really low floor player. 6'11", 220, sophomore. Doesn't score much. Doesn't get a lot of rebounds either. Um, Greg Brown actually outperforms him in both those categories at two inches shorter. Um, But I think that is partially to do with the fact that... All right, so you're right. Let me lay this out. Kai Jones is an incredibly smart player. For a sophomore, this this guy has a crazy mind for the game. Like you watch his the thing that impresses me most about him is he does not make mistakes. Um 
and he's really big. Uh, doesn't really pick up a lot of fouls, which kind of leads me into the next guy, Greg Brown, which, you know, he, as I was telling you earlier, he's like, he averages like three and a half fouls per game, which is pretty absurd. The guy's really vocal on the court. He's like really loud. He gets mad at calls, but um, that's like my favorite kind of player. You know, he's the, he's the Draymond Greens. He's the Montrez Harrells. Right. Like he is a grinder. He's a beast. And uh, both of those guys, I think they have him projected late first round. Uh, my board has him at 18 and 21. Um, they have Greg Brown going to the Spurs. I think that would be so perfect. Uh, he's a pretty good scorer. He's not great. Um, he's a pretty good rebounder. He's not great, but he's really young and has a ton of room to grow, you know, work on his jump shot, things like that. Uh, I don't think that there's a ton to say about these two guys other than I think they're going to lead their team to the Final Four. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Texas going to Final Four. Okay, so yep. when I watched them uh, against Oklahoma State, Sims actually stood out the most, which I thought was interesting. But um, Kai was Kai was interesting because Kai, I didn't know he didn't start. When I watched that game, I was like, Okay, this, this is kind of interesting. And I looked it up. This guy's only started three games. So he's the sixth man of the year in the Big 12. Um, he's a sophomore. He looks exactly like Damian Jones. Is he Damian Jones' brother? Perhaps. By the way, Damian Jones is balling right now. Yeah, he is. <laughs> identical, dude. I'm looking at their faces right now. It's like almost scary. So I'm just going to assume that they're brothers. So I'm going to actually go with this. To have a brother in the NBA, you already have – you know, the genes to make it there. But the fact that you're addressing that he's smart, which is always the biggest thing for me with these prospects. Like I need a guy like Jalen Suggs that is smart and can see and move ahead. If I have that from a power forward or a center for me and a guy that can play both of those positions, then I'm excited because that's like the biggest thing for front offices. Like we've seen what has happened with James Wiseman this year. He hasn't had enough experience to necessarily be playing 25 to 30 minutes every single night. So the Warriors have been careful with them. Who would you comp these two bigs to if you had to pick one guy for each of them? Are they like on the same vein as your rim protecting Damian Jones? Or are they kind of guys that can move the offense around and get threes off like a Kelly Olenek or even like a, oh goodness, I don't know. I don't want to say his name, but Myers Leonard because he's, he's shamed right now. But where do these guys stand as far as that, as far as projecting into the league? Um, Greg Brown reminds me a lot of Montrezl Harrell. And I said that earlier, but, uh, and I've also said this earlier, but it's just that motor and it's that tenacity. And like Greg Brown's that a really, dog. That dog yep. Yep. Greg, Greg Brown's a really mean player. Um, and I think that teams like sneakily take players like that in the draft. It's not talked about much when, uh, people analyze draft boards and picks and stuff, but, uh, Greg, Brown's going to be great in the league. Kai Jones, as I was saying earlier, he's got a really high ceiling and a really low floor, but he's got so much room to grow. Even though he only takes like two threes per game, he has a really nice stroke and uh, he hits like 40% of his threes. So like, um, I think that there's a lot of developmental space for Kai Jones. Uh, if Kai Jones can transform his game a little bit into being a little bit more of an outside score. I'm not saying like a three point shooter, but you know, someone that feels a little more comfortable shooting jump shots, kind of like what we've seen with Pat Williams this year, who has made tremendous uh, strides in his shot. 
Um, uh, if I had to pick a comp for Kai Jones, um, I honestly don't even know. Like, he's a very unique player. But Greg Brown, for sure, is like a Montrez Harrell-esque type guy. So, okay. Well, let's move on to a guy that's been, um, I guess, talked about quite a bit because Oregon's getting a lot of, like, runtime right now. Which is really interesting because I didn't know that they were like elite, but this is your boy Chris Duarte, mm-hmm. sophomore point guard from the Dominican Republic. I think that's always fucking ill. We got the Tony Parker connection. Sure. He's not he's from France, but any dude that's from the DR, like I know that they have that extra little bit of sauce in them, kind of that motor that we've been talking about so much. Um, so he was all Pac-12 this year, but also all defense in the Pac-12. Yeah. So another guy that can come in and clamp. He's projected as a late first round pick. Um, do you think his stock is going to rise in this tournament? Uh, it just depends on if they beat, I think they play Iowa second round. It depends on if they beat Iowa or not second round. Um, Chris Duarte is a really interesting player. Um, I see a lot of Io Dasunmu in him and the fact that when like the fourth quarter comes, he's like practically flawless. I've been watching a lot of Pac-12 this year, you know, watching, uh, CU Boulder, but like we played them twice this year. Um, like the all defense accolade is 100% warranted. The guy is incredible on defense. He's got insane lateral quickness. Uh, he's an all right shooter. He's not great, but I feel like with a guy that has a build like that, um, it's really hard to put that against a shooting guard because the NBA is so good at developing shooters or like guys that are close to being shooters um i just think that for the defense by itself um because he's gonna go early second round mid second round um i think that he'll fill a role with the team as a defensive lockdown guy but then he'll slowly develop his game on the offensive end but like in that same vein, the games that I've watched him play, he's been a three level scorer. So um the sky's the limit for Chris Duarte. Uh and his numbers right now, he's at fifty two percent from the field, taking about eleven and a half shots per game. Um sixty one percent from two, which is crazy for a point guard. Yeah. Um he's actually at forty three percent from three. He's taking about five and a half a game. So I, I, I guess he is a decent shooter, and he's eighty percent from the stripe. Um he's putting up, you know, right around seventeen points per game. Um Guys like this are interesting to me because he's only a sophomore, but the fact that he could drop to the mid-second round is just its always something that like catches my attention because it's like, why is this guy slipping if he is good on both sides of the ball? So I think that if he is like in San Antonio next year or something like that, this is like a really good rotational guard for him to add if Trey Jones doesn't work out, right? Like this is a guy who knows the game enough to go and get 17 a night, but also guard the other team's best point guard which is huge. Uh, he's starting standing at six, six, which is another just elite factor for a guard. I love big guards. I'm a huge Sean Livingston, like Stan, like I miss guys like Sean Livingston. That's why I'm so stuck. So psyched to watch Cade in the NBA because big ball handlers are my fucking shit. So that's why I'm attracted to Luca, LeBron, Harden, because these guys aren't your prototypical guards. Um, but let's move on to a guy you just mentioned. Let's talk Illini. Um, this is your favorite team to watch right now. I think it's one of your favorite college basketball teams you've ever watched because you are an IO man and you're an even bigger Kofi Coburn boy. Mm. Um, you want to talk about the big man first or you want to talk about the black mask guard? Well, first, before we talk about them, I just want to note that Chris 
Duarte is also 24. So I'm just going to oh, throw shit. that out there. 24 years old? 24. Yeah. Yeah. He's the, I think he might be huh. one of the oldest players in Power 5 basketball. Um, what? Yeah. How is he a sophomore? I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Like, and like, I just saw that because I was looking at the draft board and I was like, it says sophomore, but yeah, uh, he, he, uh, his parents must have held him back or something, but. I'm not giving up, dude. I've still got four years left of college eligibility. Uh, so when I walk on to Duke in two years, I, I expect to be in the same conversation as Duarte. Yeah. I'm going to be the 24-year-old talent. Um, <laughs> right. uh, let's, around, uh, let's talk about Io. Um, you've mentioned that he is – you've raved about it, honestly, that he's the best fourth quarter you've seen, fourth quarter score that you've seen since Kemba Walker. Yeah. That's high praise because that dude was a fucking problem when you come, but where do you think he pans out as far as what his role is going to be in the NBA? Is he going to be uh, a Tyree Evans type player that is ball dominant in his rookie year, or is he going to be somebody that kind of comes in and uh, like in a in a Kobe White vein where he's playing like the second guard rather than the first? Yeah. So a couple things to note about Io: um, they have him listed as a point guard, shooting guard hybrid. I think that's bogus. Um, I think he's a true two guard, but not like a true two shooting guard. Um, uh, one of the things that not a lot of people talk about with Io is his ability to rebound. I think he's the best rebounding two guard in all of college basketball. The guy averages like seven rebounds per game. Um, so like he hits the boards, he's got crazy vert. His strength for his size is like really impressive, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of beating a dead horse and I think the media has been too, but like when the fourth quarter comes, you know, along with Curbelo and Coburn and Sven and Frazier, uh, you know, Io just finds a way to stay incredibly efficient in like the waning minutes of every game. So, from what I've seen from him, all he needs is a little bit of space, which is fucking awesome. I think that it's interesting you call him a two guard rather than a point guard or shooting guard because from what I've seen, he kind of fills. I don't know if this is sacrilegious to Illinois fans, but the, the Colin Sexton role, where he's not your traditional point guard, but he's the off guard. And Ky- Kyrie, I think, is the ideal one, but obviously nobody has his fundamental gifts. Um, but just like a guy who is, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", in that range, <coughs> isn't like your traditional, like, Clay Thompson, like, I'm just going to come off screen shooting guard, but somebody that you can give to go get, go get a fucking bucket anywhere on the court. Yeah. Really nice touch in the paint, which is something that, uh, it, it, that's when you know what like where a true hooper is if he can score not just from zero to two feet on layups and dunks, not just from eighteen to twenty one feet on threes, but somebody that can score on the in between. That's yeah. the definition of a true bucket getter. Um, talk about Kofi and how he kind of plays off of that because he could go undrafted. He could be a second round pick. Uh, where where do you think he works out as far as like? I mean, th- there's always a need in my opinion for rim running centers. It's just about whether or not that he can, you know, separate himself from like the Tristan Thompsons and Robert Williamses of the world. That's a that's a good point to say that there's a pretty consistent need for players like that, but not as a starter. Um, Kofi Wait, Coburn, look, Damian, Damian Jones just got called back up because he does those two things. Yeah, yeah. So Kofi Coburn and I will put my life on it will not be a starter in the NBA, but. He will fill a really, really important big man role for some team. Uh, as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, uh, the guy has a lot of 
trouble, um, you know, staying vertical in the paint because he's so strong and because he's so confident in his strength. Um, you know, I think like the combination of those two things, like we saw it in the Iowa game in the tournament, like he was dominating Garza, who we'll talk about later, but like the only reason why Coburn didn't put up a 40 and 30 stat line is because he had to sit on the bench for half the game. Right. Um, you know, Coburn is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to place him somewhere in the draft and I think he'll go right at the end of the draft 55 to 60 range um for a title contending team I think he'll probably yeah like so that's where I see him falling um but I want to go back to Io just like real quick uh just because like I see on the draft board that I'm on that they have him going to the thunder I could not think of like a better team for him to go to playing the two guard next to Shea would be like a dream for me. Um, like, and we've been seeing that a lot with Hal, um, Halliburton playing next to De'Aaron Fox this year. I see a lot of comps, or um, actually that would probably be my player comp is Halliburton to Io is like a guy that can score at all three levels. He's pretty good at D and he's tall for his position. So, you know, there's, there's that. But like, as far as Kofi goes, you know, uh, Who's to say with a pure five, right? What's the highest that you would draft Io? If you're a general manager and he's sitting there at nine, let's say, right? That's a take- yeah. That's a that's a really interesting point, or that's a interesting question. Um, because like I've seen boards that have had him like middle of first round, like going 15, 16, 17. And then like the one that I'm looking at now has him at like 32, 31. So I have him at 18 right here. He's going to the Knicks at 18, which is also elite. I think the Thunder is sick because he does kind of remind me of Shea in a way, which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, but, but with really see. cool hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He always looks sick as fuck. Um, let's move on to um, a guy we can just kind of gloss over him really quick. Everybody knows who he is. Uh, you just mentioned him as Luca Garza. Center for the Iowa Hawkeyes, um, potentially one of the first Hawks in the NBA in quite some time. Uh, Jared Utah never really quite made it. He was always kind of a bench warmer. I think he might be in the G League right now. <laughs> uh, but but uh, Luka Garza, I mean, one of the greatest college basketball players ever, which is so weird to say, I guess, or at least one of the greatest college basketball seasons ever. I don't know, top 50, top 100? I don't know where it stands. But um, I've had mixed feelings on him. Uh, I thought that if he would have declared for the draft last year, that he actually could have made a decent impact uh, as like a eight or nine, 10 minute play per game player for the Clippers or something like that. in like the late second um, right now, he's still in that same range, mid to late second, where do you see him falling? And then do you see his draft stock going up or down in March Madness? So I don't see Luca Garza's stock going anywhere but down. I think he's at his peak of his draft stock currently um, because he's kind of shown us all that he can do. I mean, I don't I don't have a particular liking for Luca Garza, um, even though he is a spectacular college player. But in that same vein, um, it's hard to deny the fact that he's one of the best Big Ten players to ever live, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, – it's completely contingent on his willingness to play defense. Um, and I have an affinity for players who lock down on the defensive end. Luca Garza does not. 
He is one of the weakest post-defenders that I've seen in a long time. Um, like, I've seen people make comparisons in his game to, like, Jokic, which I think is absurd. Oh, uh, my God. But, like... Sacrilegious. Yeah, yeah, but, like, on the defensive end, I guess I could see that. But, like, even Jokic at, at least, like, stays in front of players. Um, Jokic is definitely quicker. Yes. Definitely quicker. Easily, yeah. And uh, Jokic doesn't get tired either, yeah. despite his size, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, I could talk about that guy for hours but um back to garza uh he's um yeah i just you know if he can develop his three a little better and he can at least be like willing to play defense i could see him filling a solid role player position for you know a late pick team um there's just not a lot of potential in my mind at the pro level for him uh but, like, you know, even though I don't really like the guy's play style, uh, I wish him the best in the in the league, um, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, it'd be cool to see an Iowa player pan out. I'm not an Iowa basketball fan by any means, but it'd be cool. But um, I think that he, he does have an excuse, I guess, that they rely on him so heavily on offense that maybe he can serve some of that energy on the defensive end. But then again, even if that is the case, I don't think he has the tools to be, a, like, an, at least an average defender at the NBA level because he's not laterally quick enough. He moves like a bag of rocks and <laughs> he's got size, but he doesn't seem to have the defensive instincts that a lot of these other guys are going to have. And that's what teams look for. They look for, if you don't have the instincts, then they're going to look for peak athleticism. They're going to look for the Wisemans of the world, the Bam Adebayos, um, but, but, or even the Jackson Hayes for that, like for that matter. But if you don't have that, then they're looking for the instincts. They're looking for, like, Jokic might be slow. He might not be able to stay in front of everybody, especially if he gets on a switch. But at least he has instincts and passing lanes where he can pick it off and then throw it 62 feet to Will Barton running on the sideline. Peyton Manning, baby. Yes, sir. (laughs) But um, Luka just doesn't exhibit that at all. Um, And that's kind of where the issue is always going to be because it's so important to have a center. Like we've seen people like literally play PJ Tucker at center instead because he can he's mobile enough to switch on screens. Like that's where the league is at right now. So you know if it's forty years ago, sure, Luca and Coburn are two top five picks. Yeah. But we're talking about two thousand twenty one, and um, we'll see. I'd like to see. Um, I think if he shoots well enough in March Madness, he's exhibited good touch from outside. That that'll at least be somewhat tasty for them. But um, you know he's he's an interesting player because. He's been so good in college the last two years that people are going to think, like, if you only watch college basketball and you don't watch the NBA, you're going to be like, why? Like, why isn't he a top 20 pick? And it's just it's a top five pick, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, Luca Garza's going to be a star overseas there. Yes, <laughs> that's sure. dude, dude, like, he's going to be in Korea in three years and he's going to be their league's MVP. And I will put my life on that. But, uh, you know, I'm not wishing him to be out of the league um you know i think it's exciting to see like what he might do in the league uh to his credit he's a proof people wrong guy like he went to iowa as like a low-rated recruit and he's evolved into like one of like the most unstoppable college basketball players we've seen in the 21st century so all credit to him um all right just to wrap it up um, wait 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 wait. one more guy one more guy the biggest sleeper everybody needs to watch him in the tournament he plays for Arkansas. He's a shooting guard. His name is Moses Moody. 
All right. Oh yes, you want to talk about Moody? My bad. Go ahead. Keep an eye on this guy. I have so my final four, and I don't know if you want to share yours is uh, Illinois, Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas. Mm. Um, Moses Moody is a special player. Um, my comp to him is Jason Tatum, which is incredibly high praise. Uh, he's the highest of praises. He's a top ten player in the league right now. But preacher's top king. Let's hear it. Duke in the NBA. He's uh he's uh he's six six two oh five, but he's a freshman and he's going to grow. He has those broad shoulders that you see in guys like Tatum. Um, he attacks the rim crazy well. He can yam on people, but he's probably the second best shooter in the draft behind Corey Kispert. The guy's release is quick and it looks effortless, but he hits so many threes and he picks his shots too. So the uh, the comp that I've seen NBA analysts make is Allen Houston. Allen mm. Houston would be a dog in today's league. He would be oh, – Allen Houston was like a borderline all-star in his era, but in today's league, Allen Houston, who's like a slasher that can like shoot really, really well, like that's the type of player that you're looking for in like a shooting guard small forward – and if Moody grows a couple more inches, he'll be like 6'8", 2'10". The guy's quick. Um, and I think he's going to lead Arkansas to the Final Four. Um, so, yeah, that's my last guy. But, yeah, watch out for Moses Moody. Watch out for the Razorbacks. And also shout out McKinley Wright, Scobuffs. All right. So, yeah, I've got um, I've got Arkansas in my Final Four with Oklahoma State. And I've got Gonzaga in Texas. The only reason I'm taking Arkansas is because I watched – part of the SEC tournament. I was like really into the SEC tournament for some reason. It was elite here. <laughs> I wanted to take Bama so bad. But um yeah, so uh right before we go, um I do have Oklahoma State winning it all just for shits and giggles. Ooh. I don't know if that's actually gonna happen, but I'm all in on Cade. <laughs> all right, give me I'll give you two years from now. Cade Cunningham, the man who looks like he's thirty, is apparently eighteen years old. I won't believe it until I see his birth certificate. I am twelve. Yeah. Where does he stand as, as far as the top 15, top 20, top 25, top 10, top 5 players two years from today? Oh, like in the league? Yeah. Oh, God, that is so hard to predict. I know, I know. Um, it's a big question. Dude, Cade Cunningham is like, he's a few inches shorter than Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? But like you watch him play and just like how he's built – he plays like Ben Simmons, but he's wet as hell, right? So um, it's like, honestly, I think it's completely contingent on who gets that first pick in the lottery. It's going to be Pistons, Timberwolves, Rockets, Magic, right? One of those three teams. Uh, I think that the best fit would probably be the Pistons. Mm. Like, I don't know if anyone's a good fit for the Pistons because they suck, <laughs> but like... Some of those other teams, um, you know, just because the Magic are really trying to make Markel Fultz work. Uh, the Timberwolves got D'Lo. I don't know for how much longer. Um, and then the Rockets got John Wall. Uh, yeah, I would say I'm going to be safe and I'm going to say top 20. There. Okay. Top what, 20. What do you think? Are you saying top 10? So it's tough. So you, you said best. He has the Simmons presence. Uh, physically at the college level, a few inches shorter. Um, but like we just talked about with, uh, I believe it was with Kisper, 
or no, it was with Io. Yeah. Guys that can score in the in-between game. This guy has seen so many different defenses this year, and he's always the focal point of them. So a lot of these other players we've talked about, like there's other players to worry about on those offenses. When it comes to guarding Cade Cunningham, you're strictly all eyes on Cade Cunningham. Yeah. And he's still managed to put up these ridiculous statistics, uh, which has been the most impressive. Like I'll see him with – Nine seconds left on the shot clock. Nothing has worked for their offense, and he'll just pull up from the corner from 18 feet, and it's just wet. That kind of stuff is just so fucking tantalizing. It's He's going to be the first pick no matter what. If he goes to Detroit, I'll watch like 20 of Detroit's games next year no matter what. Um, I'm so excited to watch him, especially in this tournament. I think he has the potential to really go on one of those, I don't know, Shabazz Napier, Kevin Walker-type runs. Um, I'm, I'm psyched to watch the tournament for sure. And, yep. uh, I'm going to look out for Moses Moody. I'm definitely looking out for Moses Moody. That's what I've come away with. Moses Moody and Kisper, they're going to have all – I'm going to give 100% of my attention to them. I'm yep. gonna give, give them the Zion camp. Yep. Um. Yeah, no, Oklahoma State, Illinois, if it does happen in the in the Sweet 16, is going to be the best game in the tournament. Um. Oklahoma State, and I know we want to wrap this up here, but uh, Oklahoma State – Besides Cade Cunningham, his supporting cast might be one of the best in college basketball, but like nobody talks about them at all. So I like likely. Oh, he's uh, so good. He's so he good. Sick. He's got like that old man game, kind of like that, like just like dreadlocked warrior type. Like I'm not gonna shoot a lot of threes, but if I get in the paint, I'm a mismatch problem. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember any of those. And then they have that big African guy down low that's like near seven feet. That's like really crafty yep. down low and plays great defense. I forget what his name is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no. Watch out for Oklahoma State, Illinois. Um, and then first round matchups. Uh, Arkansas Colgate is going to be sick because <laughs> both of those teams score a ton. Um, if I think that that might be Arkansas's most difficult game of their entire run leading up to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight because we haven't seen a lot out of Colgate. I've been like diving deep into the trenches of the Patriot League this year, <laughs> but like that 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 game, both teams are going to score 85 plus points. So watch out for that one. Watch out for Oklahoma State and watch out for the Colorado Buffaloes winning the national title there. All right, let's go. Go Buffs. All right, thank you guys for tuning into the Fro and Flow featuring Carter Fairman. Uh, we appreciate it. Have fun watching March Madness. Uh, you'll hear back from Jack and I on Friday afternoon. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate it. Tune into all things Burbs and Duke and the NBA, baby. We may not have made the tournament this year, but trust me, we'll be back. We got Paulo Banchero coming in next year. Uh, <laughs> and if it, if, if it wasn't for fucking COVID, Oh, uh, here they come. Here comes Not the even a global pandemic could stop LeBron, but it stopped Coach K. And I'm okay with that. The guys fought hard at the end. Uh, it is what it is. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. Peace out. Peace.